You're listening to The Devoted Podcast, where our desire is to be women devoted to the Word of God. We're so glad you're here, and we pray you'll be challenged and encouraged as we look to God's Word together. Well, hey, gals, welcome back to The Devoted Podcast. We are, we're back to being on the regular. We're going to come at you weekly now. I thank you guys so much for your patience as we move through the summer months and the schedule looks a little differently. I hope you guys were able to enjoy some of the replays. I got to hear from a lot of you guys over the summer. Either I ran into you in church or some of you guys sent me some emails of that you were just starting the podcast, you know, this summer, like it was new to you. And so you were jumping in and you were starting with episode one and going all the way through. So I hope that, you know, maybe the summer did give you some time to catch up on some of those things. Honest, I would love to just never take a break, right? I would like to just be able to continue to go and have them every week. But I know that as the schedule has it right now, I'm just not able to do all of the things all of the time. And of course, my first priority is that I'm a wife and I'm a mama and I want to make sure I'm taking care of my family. So sometimes that just means we need to adjust the schedule and and make things work in the Lord's timing. And I usually find that truly when I'm trying to just get it all done and do all these things, that's usually Amy's timing and less the Lord's timing. So it's good for me to to take a step back and just really think through that, pray through the season and what he has for us. And it truly, this summer has been a very productive time. It's been so great to work on some future studies and things like that. And, you know, if you're joining us at Athey Women, we're going to be jumping into our Names of God study here soon. So I'm just really looking forward to that. But as it is our first episode back, I knew I was going to do an episode about this, but I wasn't quite sure when. And then as I was praying about it, I thought, you know, there is really no better time than right as our seasons are changing and as, you know, I don't know, there's a different rhythm between summer and fall. Whether you've got kids or not, there just is, you know, it changes everywhere. It changes in the trees around you. If you live out here in the Pacific Northwest where I do, it's one of my absolute favorite, favorite seasons. The color here is glorious. I love fall. And so the seasons around us, like the trees, everything we see tells us about change. Starbucks lets us know that it's time for pumpkin spice lattes again. And I know some of you are rolling your eyes and some of you are cheering. And I'm probably one of those that are cheering. I'm kind of high maintenance about that. I really only like it a quarter sweet. But you really just need that hint of just a little bit of that fall spice in there. I just love it so much. So we are going to talk about change today. I've gone through this all over my life, right? We all have. We always go through seasons of change. And I'm facing one of those again right now. And, you know, I have to say there's a couple things as I started to evaluate change. I always like to think through what it is. And sometimes when we're in a season of change, we kind of focus on the it, the thing that's changing right in front of us. And we might not pause and think about what is it I'm not liking right now? So I kind of looked at this, and I'm going to just tell you right out of the gate where I started with this. I started with hearing the, you know, voice of the Holy Spirit in my ear whispering this, and it was Psalm 139, 23 through 24, that says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the life everlasting. Okay, 
I'm just saying, that's where I started with this. Because I kind of started to, just, I, I saw in myself just kind of this, the same old thing, whenever change rears its ugly head at me, I don't like it. I don't want it. And it's easy to just focus on, hmm, I don't like this. I don't want this. Let's move through it. Let's get through and let's, you know, get to the other side. But this time, and I'm thankful, the Lord asked me to examine my heart on this. And I think that's where we all need to do that. Whenever you feel that flesh, that, you know, tendency in us that wants to kind of rear its ugly head, really, that's the ugly head, not, not the change so much. Ask ourselves, ask the Lord, Lord, what is in my heart on this? Search me, test me, know my anxious heart, and then point out, this is in the NLT, this version I'm reading, but point out anything in me that offends you. If you're one of those that is like me and is just not a big fan of change, some of this today might hurt just a smidge, but don't let that scare you. Don't run away because I really do think that the Lord wants to refine us in these seasons. But I also want you to hear as I talk through some of these things, please do not hear that it is a condemning word of if you think this when you go through change, well, you know, you're terrible because what I'm telling you right now is this is to me. This is absolutely to me. And I have no doubt for dear friends of mine that are listening to this podcast right now, there's probably going to be seasons in life again, two years from now, six months down the road, I don't know. And they're going to say, how about you go back and you listen to that episode that you did on change? Because this is something that I think that we need to hear what the Lord has to say about these things. So right out of the gate, let's start with, here's the thing with change. If you're like me, when I was evaluating this, I thought, you know, number one, I don't like it. I do not like change. I'm one of those just creature of habit. I like the things the way they are. If it's for the better, you know, then yeah, okay. But I just don't really like it. I think I've perhaps gotten a little tiny, tiny bit better <laughs> with age on this one, but I do mean like a little, guys. But, you know, a hard pivot for me, it's tantamount to might as well just throw your hands up in the air, throw in the towel, you know, it's just done. I, I just don't like this. I just really struggle to make a hard pivot. Now, if I like the change, you know, I'll handle it a little bit better. I think about when we had the lockdowns happened, that was a real change, right? I mean, that changed everybody's life very radically and very quickly. But to be fair, I kind of liked that change, you know? So it wasn't so bad, you know? And so if, if I like the change, well, then, you know, okay. I can pat myself on the back and think like, oh, see how mature and how how good I'm dealing with this change. But if I peel it back, it's because I kind of liked the change. I got to see my kids all the time. My husband came home and was his office was here at the house. And so, I mean, it was a great change. And when I say I don't like change, like, gals, I don't even like to work in multiple buckets at the same time. That's what I call when I have a, you know, like if I'm doing, if, if today's a podcast day and that's kind of the bucket that I'm in, but then I also know I need to work on this study over here. Well, I love doing that study over here, but I I don't want to switch buckets in the day. I want to, you know, stay where I'm at. Do you see this resistance to change? I'm sure several of you are going, wow, Aim, you need to get it together. But I also know there's lots of you out there that you're just like me. You like to do the things that you like to do on the days that you like to do them, the time of day that you like to do them. I mean, man, you got it down. Let's not rock the boat. This is what works for me. So right out of the gate, I'll tell you, 
I just don't like change, okay? The second thing about change is I, I associate change typically with something negative. Now, I gave you just an example of change that was good for me in the fam was the lockdowns happened and everybody came home. That was a positive change. But most of the time, I associate change with something that's negative. You know, it's either saying goodbye to good things. Maybe it's making a way for something new and different, but they're typically unknown things. And, and so in my brain, then those are typically scary things, right? So I don't like change. I typically associate them with negative things. But the other thing for me as I evaluated change was that I think there is also this false but nevertheless real sense of a couple things. I'm going to tag team two of these together. But I think there can be a real sense of almost pride in the, you know, I was good at doing it this way. You know, I thrive and I'm at my best doing this thing, doing life, doing this job, doing whatever it is that you're doing. I'm good at doing it this way. So let's just leave that alone, you know? Or I think they're also, whether maybe it's not pride or maybe it's just the good old days. This is the way I've always done it. And there's kind of this security in that this is the way it's always done, but it's a false security, right? But we, we tell ourselves that it's, it's a good thing. The norm, the status quo is, is good because this is the way we've always done it. This is the good way of doing it. So I think we obviously know what I mean by change. But, you know, I love to look at dictionaries just in case there's a, something that I'm missing. If you look in the dictionary at what change means, it says to make or become different. So then I'm like, OK, well, what's different? And different is just defined as not the same. Now, I know that seems really obvious, but I think sometimes when we're thinking about change, we can sort of turn it into this monster of our own making that isn't even necessarily what the definition is. So change is just to make or to become different, to make or become something that's not the same as it was. So what does scripture have to say? Because that's the most important thing to us. That's the reason that we have this podcast. What does scripture tell us about this? So in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Paul says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Hmm. Now, context here, right before this, Paul says this. He says this in verse 16. He says, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Meaning, he was talking to an audience that had, they were in their lifetime, they had seen Christ. They had seen Jesus in the body, in the flesh. And he's saying, we once regarded him in the flesh, but now we do not any longer. Do you wonder if the early church struggled with the change that they couldn't see Christ in the flesh anymore? They couldn't go up and talk to him as they used to. They couldn't feel him. They couldn't see him with their eyes and hear them with their ears. That's a very significant change. So they may have been just like you and I, and maybe they were associating change as not necessarily something very positive. But that's why that's the context of that, of going into verse 17, when Paul says, though, he says, but if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation and the old has passed away and behold, the new has come. So I don't think there's any way to read that verse in which you do not hear that This is God saying, this change right here, this is good. He's putting a very positive spin on change, that the old has passed away, the new has come. So there's this newness, there's there's change, all of these things. Okay, a couple more. 
I love this in Isaiah 43, 19. It says, behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. This verse has spoken to me so many, many times in my life, and this season was no different. Behold, I am doing a new thing. It would seem that even here, all the way back in the Old Testament through Isaiah, the Holy Spirit is telling us that he does new things, different things, things that are changed. And the contrast that he makes there, though, he says that, that it springs forth. And I love the line, do you not perceive it? Isn't that a funny question? Do you ask yourself that when something different is happening, when there is a change in season in your life, you almost know it's coming before it's there. And if you're like me, you try to not really think about it. You know, one of the changes for me right now, and there's there's been several, but I'll give you one. One of the changes is that my oldest, he was home for a gap year, and now he's going off to college in, down in California. That is a significant change. Did I see it coming? Yeah, kind of did. You know, he's 19. This is This is kind of a normal path that a lot of kids take. I'm, you know, he was very prayerful about this. I knew that this was coming. When you're sitting in that moment, you know, when you're getting closer to that date, your brain knows it's like I'm doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it? Do you see what's coming? It's coming. But then the next part is just such a comfort when Isaiah says, I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. I love both of those. First, that he's going to make a way. He's going to make a path. He's going to show you exactly how to navigate the change that you're in. But then it also says, and rivers in the desert. Who sees a river in the desert? Well, nobody, unless you're walking with Jesus. And then he supplies these rivers all the time. You'll go through a season that feels maybe desert. And then you'll see that friend that says a word to you that just absolutely hits you at the exact right time. For me, honestly, this scripture was said to me by a friend. A friend texted me the scripture, and it was exactly that river in a desert that I needed at that time. So those are just two. There's other scriptures that we could look to, but I I think there's some things that we can see in scripture that point to that change is not necessarily to be something that we should just hate and run away from. So I want to switch gears, and I'm putting y'all through what I put myself through, so I hope you're ready for this. But I decided to ask myself some uncomfortable questions about my resistance to change. Why don't I like this? Like I said, it's a lot easier sometimes to go through the seasons like this and just plow through. Like put your head down, get busy, distract yourself with a project and just plow through. We can do this. We're going to do it, right? And that's sometimes the temptation. Get busy and just move through. I want us to slow down for a second and I want us to ask some uncomfortable questions about our resistance to change and what what the deal is. So first question is, how much of my issue, and I'm using little air quotes because fill in the blank with whatever it is, but how much of my issue with this change is ready for it is selfish. Oh man, nobody likes to ask themselves, am I being selfish in this? But remember the scripture I read at the very beginning from Psalm 139, that we need to come to the Lord and ask him to search our hearts and to point out anything in me that offends you, it said in the in the New Living Translation. And I just, I thought that was a great way of putting that. But how much of whatever I'm having, whatever bad attitude I'm having about this transition, how much of it is selfish? And so here's the thing that I notice. 
is that when you go through a season of something, you find yourself saying things like or thinking things like, I don't like and then fill in the blank. I don't like that my schedule is going to change like this. I don't like that my son's going to be so far away. I don't like that my kids are going to go back to school and, you know, family time is going to be different. I don't like this. And we hear that. Then, then the other thing we can kind of couple right with that is I don't really like how this feels. I'm sad. I feel outside of what their life looks like. I feel like this. I feel whatever. Sometimes it just comes down to the whole thing that, you know, this change, that this transition, it's just kind of disrupted my happy. This is, I liked it the way it was. And I, I, I have, how many times, I don't know, maybe y'all weren't counting because it's a podcast and you're probably driving. How many times did I just say I in that paragraph? I don't like this. I don't like how this feels. This disrupts my day. I'm just telling you guys, man, you can fill in the blank with whatever it is, but I'm try to think through how many times is it the thing that you're really all feisty about in your transition in the change that you don't like is something related to the pronoun of yourself. And this can be all kinds of changes and transitions. This could be a move, you know, moving clear across the country. You don't know anyone. Maybe it's a sickness. And you're just mourning that, oh, man, my body used to be able to do this and this and this, and it can't now. A change, a transition can be a death. Man, I, I have been there. Just today, I was reading in my devotional, and I think I, it was my Spurgeon one. Nope, sorry, it was my Streams in the Desert one. I love both of those. But when I read the devotionals for the day, I often write the date next to when I read it. And the one today had a poem that talked about seeing blessing in suffering and seeing blessing in times of loss. And at that particular time, it was just a couple months after my dad had passed away. And so very vulnerably, I wrote on the side, it was 2016. And I wrote, Lord, I don't feel this, you know. And today I'm reading it back. It's 2022. And I read that passage about blessing in suffering and the good that is coming through a really horrible change at the time. You know, if you're currently going through the grief of losing a loved one, it will feel right now like it is impossible to see blessing. On, I mean, what? Why would I even use that word? That's a terrible word. Why would you say blessing from loss, blessing on the other side of grief? But I can tell you, six years later, today when I read that and I was able to write 2022 next to it and say, yes, Lord, I see this. I see this tangent there, but all the things that can be changed, it can be changed from losing someone. It could be changed with empty nest. Mine is a little bit of a, that sort of one. I'm losing one of my kiddos, but I mean, I have other two that are still home most of the time. But there's some of you that are going through like 100% empty nest. Like all your kiddos have grown. They've flown the coop. They're doing their life, their thing. And you're going, whoa, Lord, this, I'm not so sure about this change. It could be the reverse, too. What if your change right now is that there's an extra one in the nest, you know, and maybe it's the changes that are related to a growing family. I totally remember those when you go from maybe just having one kid to two or two to three and going, oh, boy, this is a change. This is a major transition. I don't know. I kind of had my schedule down before. What do I do now? 
you know? So our changes can look all kinds of things and we can just have that resistance to it. But that first thing I wanted us to ask is, is, you know, what is behind that? And is there anything that is selfish in there? Now, I want to also flip the side on this because sometimes we can be in a place where maybe your world isn't changing and maybe you wish it would. You know, maybe everybody else seems to be doing something that you desire, but you're not getting to do those things or you're not seeing that. And I think that the self and the focus on me can be at the root of both, whether we're desiring a change that we don't have right now or we're going through a change that we do not desire right now. The question could still be the same. How much of my issue with this change or the lack of change is myself behind it, is selfish. So who can we look at in scripture and say, they really did change well? They did change well. I think there's a couple, but one of my favorites is Joseph. You can read all the whole story of Joseph in Genesis 37, and then skip a chapter, because there's this really crazy story in chapter 38. Chapter 37, and then chapter 39 through 46 is the story of Joseph. So you want some extra reading this week? Read the story of Joseph, because what I think is really cool about Joseph is as you look through his story. Now, if you're not familiar with the story of Joseph, most people are because there's even there's what there's stories and plays and cartoons done about Joseph and his wonderful technicolor coat and all of those kinds of things. But take the Hollywood version out, take the cartoon out and think about the actual person. Think about Joseph, who as a boy, he is living with his family, living with his brothers, kind of has some crazy dreams. He has some dreams where he sees himself perhaps as over his brothers and even his father. So he, you know, decides to share some of these visions and dreams with his brothers. And they, they were not exactly a big fan of this. So you may know the story, you know, then they decide that they kind of just are really irritated with Joseph and they're just done. So he's coming to bring them something when they are out in the field. And as he's a long way off, the brothers kind of conspire and they come up with this plan to just get rid of Joseph. First, they were thinking they were going to kill him. But then one of the brothers chimes in and says, no, 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 let's not kill him. Let's just throw him in this pit down here. And then they reevaluate and they're like, hey, let's profit something here and let's sell him. So his brother uh, Joseph comes, he they throw him in, in the pit. And then when some traders come by, they sell him into slavery. And so he goes down to Egypt. Now, it's interesting to me because you can read all of what I just told you in a matter of minutes, but it would have been days for Joseph to be probably however they chained him up or tied him up and kept him as a slave as he is traveling over dusty, bumpy roads all the way down to Egypt, where he's then sold to Potiphar. And so he's in slavery there. He's working as a servant in his household. And then as you continue the story of Joseph, you'll see that he has a little dust up with Potiphar and his wife and he gets thrown in jail then, okay, then he's in prison. And the story goes on and it has a wonderful happy ending. It really does. It's great. And you and there's there's fantastic scriptures that talk about how really it was God in his sovereignty and his providence that sent Joseph to preserve his people. But what I find interesting as you read the story of Joseph and why I bring him up as somebody who I think kind of did change well, is you never read a recorded complaint. You don't hear him whining. (laughs) And I'm not trying to be overly harsh, but I kind of am to myself right now. But you don't see Joseph doing that. I would have. Are you kidding? 
he went from living a really great life with his family, very well taken care of, all of these things, to being reduced to a slave and then serving in a, in a house household and then serving in prison. I mean, I think I would have complained. I'm just saying. That is not a change that I would have loved or one that I think I would have just gone, oh, what wonderful new things the Lord must be doing right now. Yet, you don't ever see a recorded word that Joseph complained. In fact, what you see instead is that it seems that not only did he just faithfully do whatever he was asked to do, but it seems like he did it better than everybody else around him. You know, when he was sold into slavery and served in Potiphar's house, he did such a great job that Potiphar ended up putting him over his entire household, put him in charge. So he was working hard. He was serving and without complaint, it would seem, in order to get that position. Then even when he gets thrown in jail, he finds a way to serve and be, you know, working hard there because even the prison guards, they trusted him and he was kind of put over in charge of other prisoners and that kind of stuff. So it's interesting to me that here's Joseph that I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say that that's might be the most radical change you could incur being sold into slavery, being taken away from your, or your father, your, all your family. And yet instead of complaining, he seems to work and not only work, work harder than maybe everybody else. And there's other examples you have in scripture. You can look at Daniel, how, you know, he's taken in captivity. But yet the story of Daniel throughout his life, he seems to remain set apart, faithful, and and a tremendous man of prayer. That's what Daniel looks like. But don't forget that Daniel was uprooted from his home. He was taken from something that he did not know probably away from his parents and all. I mean, they weren't kept together. It would seem that he, in Daniel 1, that they were all there on their own, him and his buddies. But yet he remained set apart. He remains faithful, remains prayerful. How about Ruth? You know, Ruth loses her husband. And the famous verse in Ruth that we likely all remember, you know, is the one that says, wherever you go, I will go, is what she says to her mother-in-law. And your people will be my people. Man, she just decided that this is all going to change, but I'm going to go wherever you go. And then as you read the story of Ruth, you just see a sweetness and an obedience that she has to Naomi, her mother-in-law. It's a wonderful story. But I guess as I think through those, Joseph and Daniel and Ruth, and there's a lot of others, but I don't see a lot of pity parties. I don't see a lot of why me's really recorded in scripture. And again, I'm, I'm not saying that the people in the Bible didn't have their moments because we know that they were sinners just like us. But I think what is not in scripture can also be instructive to us. And there is an absence of the complaining about their circumstance. They don't seem to do it. Now, you might say, you might push, push back on this a little bit and say, well, what about David? You know, there's a lot of Psalms where, where he's crying out about his circumstances and against his enemies. You know, what about those? So let's take one of those real quick. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read you all of, let's see, it's not very many verses, but Psalm 61. This is what David says. He says, hear my cry, O God, listen to my prayer. From the end of the earth, I call to you when my heart is faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the enemy. Let me dwell in your tent forever. Let me take refuge under the shelter of your wings. For you, O God, have heard my vows. You have given me the heritage of those who fear your name. Prolong the life of the king. May his years endure to all generations. May he be enthroned forever before his God. Appoint steadfast love and faithfulness to watch over him. 
so will I ever sing praises to your name as I perform my vows day after day. Here's what I love about the Psalms. There is an interesting formula almost to David's. Now, I just pulled one. There's lots that you can take, and and this isn't an exact science to this, but something I just wanted to note, because that very first verse, he does give a request, a plea, a cry out to God when he says, hear my cry, O God, listen to my prayer. And he says that my heart is faint. He gives his request and his plea. He really does, and he's very earnest. You got to love that about David. He's very transparent and open to the Lord. And then the next thing he does, though, he gives his request. He does cry out to God, but then he follows that right up with acknowledging who God is. I think this is such a key as we are evaluating, man, Lord, what's going on? What am I doing? How did I get here? And maybe you do have that actual plea, that actual cry out to God. But I hope that we will do like what David does and we'll say, but lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Now, who's he talking about? He's acknowledging that God is his rock. God is our rock and he is higher than I, meaning he is way beyond what we are able to grasp in our small little piece of the situation that we can view. We only see so much, but God is the rock and he is higher than I. And then he adds on to that, that you have been my refuge and a strong tower against the enemy. The Lord protects us and he's our refuge. So yeah, David is honest and he does give that cry out to God. I don't know that I would hear it as a complaint, but there are other Psalms that you can hear that it does kind of sound like he is really lamenting the condition that he's in. In these Psalms, in this one, he gives that request. He gets an acknowledgement to who God is. Then the request that he makes after that isn't actually for his situation to change, but his request is that he would be near to the Lord. He says in verse four, he says, let me dwell in your tent forever and let me take refuge under the shelter of your wings. This is a word to me, gals, that, man, as opposed to praying perhaps that the Lord would change your situation, pray that the Lord would draw you just deeper and closer to himself, that you will be in his word more, that you will just be hiding in that refuge that he provides under the shelter of his wings, him. That's what we want to do. That needs to be what our request is. And then finally in the psalm, the next part of his formula is he almost always ends things in praise to God. You know, he says, so I will sing your praises to your name and perform my vows day after day. He ends with praise. Here's the thing I think we need to be reminded of when it comes to change, when it comes to life in general, right? Is that it's not about me. It's not about you. It's not about us. It, it just isn't. And I know I've said this before. I know you've heard it before. I know you've thought it before. But I think it is amazing how quickly we forget and that we get in a hurry when things change. And my resistance to change is because I don't like it. I don't like it. But here's the thing. Not too overly harsh, but who cares? It is not about me. It is not about you. And that realization is going to lead us to probably some repentance that needs to take place. Now, when we say repentance, remember that word is that you actually change your mind and go a different direction. It isn't just, you know, saying, well, I acknowledge that this is tough and, you know, just kind of trying to justify and rationalize it. No, it's actually like changing your mind, asking forgiveness of any selfishness that is making the resistance to the change that the Lord has already ordained. He like, he already knew that this is where you were going to be at. So, Repent and ask forgiveness if there's any selfishness in that. That repentance piece can be a real sticking point because even if, if you're encouraging a friend that's going through a difficult transition time, 
it can be really hard to not almost commiserate with them because you do want to be compassionate to people that are going through difficult times. We're, we're to carry one another's burdens and we are to, you know, uphold one another in prayer. But I do think that, especially that last part, upholding one another in prayer, and I think even the comfort that we can provide a friend that's going through a really difficult season of change, those are all important things to do. But careful that you don't slip into the piece that we can get well, where it can turn in on yourself and you can almost then justify that it's okay for you to feel like this because this is so hard. It's okay for you to feel fill in the blank. It's okay for you to not like this. You can, but I'm telling you, you're just going to travel, you're going to walk down a road that is going to point more into yourself as opposed to looking to the Lord. So how do we do this? How do we do this changing of our mind as we approach these things? We've already talked about it in Psalm 139 when it said, search me, O God, and know my heart and point out. You know, that's a really, really honest prayer. And I'm just going to tell you, if you actually pray that, prepare yourself for what the Lord could show you, because it might not be real pretty. But ask the Lord, to, what's what's in my heart right now as I walk through this road of change that shouldn't be here? What does that look like? I also love 2 Corinthians 10 on this. On In verse 5, it says, We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your disobedience is complete. Ooh, okay. Did you hear the last part of that? It says that we take all of our thoughts captive, but it said being ready to punish every disobedience. Man, am I being disobedient? As you approach your season of change that you might be sitting in right now, are there things that you're just being disobedient about? Am I taking captive my thoughts that can lead to disobedient attitudes? And then to take it one step further, it says, am I ready to punish my disobedience? And I, I think that's the part that earlier when I was talking about, that's where it gets a little slippery because that's where we'd rather just kind of justify and maybe rationalize why this is so bad for me right now, right? When instead, maybe we should ask, Lord, is there anything that I'm being disobedient in right now? And punish that disobedience, get rid of that, repent of that, ask forgiveness of the Lord for that and walk away from that. But back up in, this is 2 Corinthians 10, and that was verses 5, but go back to just a couple verses ahead in verse 3. That was where he says, for though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. Several things I love in this, but that very first part that it says, for though we walk in the flesh. This is such a great reminder to us that we are just flesh. We're just people. We're just dust, as it says in elsewhere in scripture. And the Lord knows that. And I don't mean that in a like the Lord's being mean and saying, you know, you're nothing, you're just dust. No, no, no. I think the Lord is saying that with deep compassion. He knows that we are weak and frail. He knows that we're just flesh, that we're just dust. And that's when the verse goes on and it talks about these weapons of warfare are not of our flesh, not of the things that we can do but they're of a divine power to destroy strongholds. Now, I want to look at this word strongholds a little bit. When you look that word up in the Greek, it's a word that just means like a fortress or a prison. One of the things we have to think about in our situation we're in is asking ourselves, is a stronghold for us, is one of them that I just like things the way I like them. I like it the way it is. 
and I like it the way I want it to be. Can that be a stronghold? I think maybe it can, just as much as something other strongholds, maybe more obvious strongholds of, you know, jealousy or covetousness or vanity. But it all comes back in each of those. It comes back to the pride and the thing of what I want in some way, what I want. And a stronghold, just like a fortress, it might seem like stability in your life. You know, it might seem like the thing that you know that you that you love and dare I say, maybe even put some false hope in. But anything that holds us back or holds us from surrendering fully to God's perfect will for us is a stronghold that needs to be dealt with. So then what destroys our strongholds? That we can turn to Ephesians 6. I'd love to read that whole passage, but for the sake of time, we're just going to look at Ephesians 6 verses 17 and 18. And verse 17 says, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for the saints. There's a lot of things in this as you walk through that whole passage that is this is the putting on the full armor of God. That man, when you're walking through anything in your life, this is a really important passage. But particularly when you're walking through a valley, when you're walking through a change season that you're struggling in, put on the armor of God. It says the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit. And I'm just reading the last part of this. But it says that sword of the spirit, that's the word of God. So definitely have that in your hand as you are. That's that weapon that is not of your flesh, but is of a divine nature that destroys strongholds. That's the sword of the spirit is going to do that. But then it also gives us something very practical to do with our time. And it says praying at all times, but in the spirit. When we pray in the spirit, that means that we are praying in agreement with what his will is for us. If we just pray for something apart from the Spirit, well, then that's when we're going to be real good at like, you know, Lord, I want this. So, but God is not our genie. That is not what God is. But praying in the Spirit, praying and asking the Lord, Lord, if it be your will, that's praying in the Spirit. So do that with your time when you're in in these seasons. But then it also says, keep alert with all perseverance. Got to love some perseverance. Just stick it out. Stick it out. Praying in the spirit, but then it also says making supplication for all the saints, praying for others, providing the needs of others in your seasons of change. You know, and I can ask the Lord why this change at this time, why it's happening, but does it really matter? You know, he knows everything. Psalm 139.2 says, you know, when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. He knows exactly where you're sitting right now. He sees me sitting in this podcast closet right now. He sees you, whatever you are doing all the time. He even perceives your thoughts. He knows what your thoughts are. That would be the one that we would be challenging and saying, why? Why, God? But Romans 9, 20 and 21 says, but who are you, O man, to answer back to God? Well, what is molded say to its molder, why have you made me like this? Has the potter no right over the clay to make out of the same lump one vessel for honorable use and another for dishonorable use? In other words, will we who are dust and just flesh Will we say to the one who created us, to the potter, why? Why'd you do this? What were you thinking? Would we do that? I don't think so. Or we shouldn't. And if we do, we man, you got to do a full stop on that. The God who sees me right now, the God who sees you, the God who is good and does good, like Psalm 119, 68 says, says he is good and he does good. He desires me and you to be faithful and submissive to his will and not my own. 
He's doing a new thing in seasons of change. I perceive it. I don't know what it is. But knowing what it is, or if I'm going to like it or not, is not the point. So what's the point? I want to end with this, and it's a little bit of a longer passage, but I think this really is the point for all of us. And it's in Ephesians 1, 3 through 14, starting in verse 3, says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. There's all so much in that passage, and I understand that is a really lengthy one. I recommend you looking it up and studying that, reading it several times over in your Bible, maybe read it in a couple different translations. But I really do think it is the point for us, because that passage points out to us that we're here according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace, which He has blessed us with. If you go through that and you look through the pronouns that are there, you know, earlier I said, boy, did you listen to how many times I inserted my own pronoun? I, my, me, all of that. Now look at the pronouns when you read Ephesians 1, 3 through 14. It's all about him. It's all about his will. It's all about his glory. It's all about his blessing. It's about the things he has done. And so there's so much packed into those verses because we're reminded of the goodness and the remarkable inheritance that we have in, in Jesus the forgiveness of our sins, it's really the whole point. It's the thing that we should be focusing on, not so much the situation that we find ourselves in right now. But I'm going to tell you, if you're like me and you have these inclinations where you just kind of resist this whole change thing, I have to say, I want to take this moment in change and probably the next one that comes up when again, I'm like, ooh, I don't know if I like this. And reevaluate that. And instead of seeing the change as something that I don't like, view it as something that is new that the Lord is doing. View it as an opportunity that he might do some refining in you. Be like David in Psalm 61 and ask the Lord that you may dwell in his presence, that he would just bring you closer to him in this season. And then your, your season of transition and the season that you might be in, oh my goodness, you're going to see so much blessing in it because the Lord loves us so deeply. He's not wanting to put us through a difficult situation, you know, poking us and just seeing what we'll do. And that's just not his heart. He loves us. 
He desires for us to be near him. And I do think that, man, when we're in seasons where we aren't in our jam, you know, we're not doing things exactly as we like to do them, right? We know how to do those things and we're good. And, you know, we can just check those things off the list. No big deal. But when we're kind of taken out of that and we're put in a situation where it feels a little bit more unknown, a little more like, oh, not real sure how this is going to go. Well, you can look to yourself, which is going to just drive you to the flesh. It's going to drive you to the things that you can do, or it'll cause you to look to the Lord. And you'll need to look to his word because you're going to need to navigate through the season that you're in, but do so in a way that is before the Lord, just asking the Lord to search your heart and seeing if there's any refining that needs to happen for you in this season. But know as you do it, I'm not going to tell you that it's just going to feel awesome all the time and that there won't even maybe be a few tears in between. But know that the Lord who loves you and cares with you, cares you for you, is walking right through that. And may He just bring you closer to Himself in this season. But it's not going to be about us. It's not going to be about me, like ever. And it really shouldn't be. It's about His will and it's about His glory. Thank you for tuning in to the Devoted Podcast. We are a ministry of AV Creek Christian Fellowship in Westland, Oregon. For more resources, or if you need prayer or encouragement, send us an email at devotedpodcast at avcreek.com.